there's no measure. Yes, some people are born poor and then become very rich, and some people are born rich and become poor. And it's like, the only question is, are you doing what you can with what you've been given? Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast where you get to listen in on some of my most interesting and personal conversations. I'm Sarah Samuel, and today we're talking about work. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, I recommend going back and listening to that first. This is part two of a conversation with my dad about work. In the last episode, we talked about his idea of success and his journey to where he is now in his career. In this part of the conversation, I talk a lot more, and his wife, Kameen Samuel, joins the conversation. She has an interesting work story as well, which we talk about briefly. I hope to do a full conversation with her in the future, but by the time she entered the conversation, we had already been talking for an hour, so we'll have to save that for another time. Let's get into it. You know, my first 10 years were so, like, so filled with stressful family conversations around making ends meet, Mm -hmm. and that always being the conversation. Yeah that I think in some ways that's kind of embedded. And then when my dad worked for McDonnell Douglas, that got resolved for the most part. Mm-hmm. So for me, that steadiness is what, you know, even though I, I think there's a part of me that always likes being an entrepreneur and, you know, doing things in my own time, in my own way, and being willing to work hard about it, success still feels to me more like, do I have enough income on a steady basis that I don't have to worry about making ends meet. Mm-hmm. And even though my, my, my status of living is so far above what my parents would have had, like they would never even dreamed of where I'm living or the kind of car I'm driving or any of that from, from that. Because <laughs> it didn't exist. Because <laughs> well, it didn't exist. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But I mean, you know, or the places I've gone yeah. for work, yeah. like I've gone to get paid, not yeah. gone on vacation, mm-hmm. would blow their minds. Yeah. Um, none of that feels successful to me if I'm not making my end. Right. You, know, you have that if one I have to steal, thing. I have that one thing. If I don't, you know, if I don't feel absolutely secure in my income, then I don't feel successful. Now I'm having to get over that. I mean, that's where my work is. Yeah. Like I have to appreciate more of that, the the value that I'm providing, the service I'm providing, and not be so caught up in the right. My success is is the it's money I create. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that'll be a good place to have Kameen come in, and we can all talk about money together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess first, oh, she's she's here waiting. <laughs> um. Do you want to come in and talk now? Um, have you been there the whole time? Yes. You have? <laughs> She's just sitting there? Jeez. Great time. This is going to be the longest conversation ever. I hope you guys don't mind. It's already been an hour and I can sense two more hours. <laughs> um, and I guess, so, Kameen, I, I, I'm also really curious in your, I guess if, if you could do like a short history of your, sure. <laughs> if that exists. Yes. A condensed history of your, I really questioned like yeah. every one of my dad's like tiniest little motivations, <laughs> which I won't do with you, but I, um, okay. cause I want to get to like what you're doing now and okay. 
all the things, but. So the high level, right? <laughs> the 50,000 foot level. Yeah. So started, uh, started my professional career as a Navy pilot. Uh, least likely to do that uh, <laughs> since I wasn't an athlete, didn't dream of being a pilot. What made you do that then? Okay, <laughs> sorry, we're gonna, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be fast. Um, have wanted, I had considered being in the military. My brother was in ROTC. And, okay. And, um, but they offered, when I took the test, it's a lot longer story, but when I took the test, they offered me to take the aviation test, and I did well enough for them to offer it to me. And I really was like, okay, well, if, um, like, what does that entail? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you need to run a mile and a half a day and and swim a mile. And and I said, okay, I'll try it for two weeks. I'll try it for <laughs> a little bit. And it was really kind of, at the time, I was second semester senior year of college, drinking a lot and so it was cutting into my drinking time so yeah. I went back to him and I said look I really want to be in business so put me back into supply core and then there um, a few months later I was down on our senior trip from college and walking along the beach by myself and a formation of helicopters flew overhead and I said looked up and I was like really God went to my recruiters and said hey what are the chances switching my package from aviation, from supply core to aviation. And they said, I'll call you back in 20 minutes. Called back in 20 minutes. They said, your package has been switched. Your medical data is this date. Your enlistment. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I, I said, what are the chances? I didn't approve the, he said, it's done. Um, so it was really divine intervention, I think, that got me into aviation and got me really through the whole program. Um, so I spent nine years as a naval aviator. I um, did two deployments out of Norfolk and was a went and got a master's in information systems and then went to um, San Diego to North Island um, Naval Base and was a flight instructor. And that's where I left after nine years. Uh, went into business for myself, failed miserably, epically. Um, I had a bankruptcy, foreclosure of two homes. A business of doing that. Um, so I was in a distributorship. Uh, it's not the distributorship's fault. It was Mary Kay Cosmetics. Oh, I see. It was just 180 out from what I was doing. Right. I was tired of being a boy, so went that far out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just epically failed. Did really well, but had a lot of product mm-hmm. and a lot of credit card debt. So had to recover um, significantly uh, my self-esteem from that uh, because of the fall from being a pilot to that. Uh, I was always interested in computers, learned on computer, the very first like computers, uh, mainframes and then the first PCs and uh, learned that. So um, taught myself HTML, got a job as a uh, web developer, Grew my corporate career, was in there almost 15 years or so. Uh, And then all along, I had wanted to be a a coach. Um, I always say I've been, you know, telling people what to do since I was about seven. So uh, it was a natural fit for me. And I've always managed teams and loved that. And uh, and so then uh, left corporate and then became a full-time coach Mm -hmm. in 2012. (laughs) Coaching about money and abundance. It started with money and abundance because of what I had been through. I knew that I had created my bankruptcy and failure in my mind. And if I had 
created it in my mind, I knew that was the only place to uncreate it mm. or create something new. And uh-huh. why did you think that you had created it in, in your mind? Um, it was the day before I got out of the military and I went in, I had saved up all my vacation days um, because I knew they'd pay out the vacation and I knew I was going to get one more check and that was what I was going to live on for a few months. Uh, so I was expecting over $5,000 to manage this. And when I went in to get that check, they gave me like a check for like twelve hundred dollars, and I and I was like, uh, I you know, where's the rest of the money? They're like, well, you actually signed papers to stay in longer, so we just recouped it. And I said, well, I'm I'll pay it. I'm gonna pay it back. I knew I, I knew I owed it. I'll pay it back. And they're like, no, we're taking it now. And I re- literally said out loud, I'm gonna have to file bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't have that thought. I was already overextended. I don't remember consciously thinking that thought until then, but that became a loop inside of me for the next 14 months until I filed for bankruptcy. So I knew that... You were driving yourself there. Driving myself there. I mean, (laughs) I could have gotten a job at Macy's and everything would have been fine, (laughs) but I also knew it was my pride, Mm -hmm. my self-esteem. If somebody had seen me working there, I, you know, it was that embarrassment and shame that kept me from doing the things I needed to do. Okay, you had um, a judgment on certain jobs that you w- wouldn't yes. have wanted to do but could have done. Right, after after having been a Navy pilot, left to go, mm-hmm. you know, make a million dollars and be a million dollar director, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then here I am, like, working at 7-Eleven and, right. and, you know, trying to stay out of homelessness, um, yeah. but then, but just became paralyzed. That's really, I, I think I'm always fascinated to hear what people think of different jobs in terms of the higher, the sort of social hierarchy yeah. of them, because I often find that mine do not match <laughs> what other people's are. And so I'm always like really, really <laughs> uh, fascinated to hear about it. So um, that's interesting. So, so you filed for bankruptcy mm-hmm. and then what, what was sort of like your journey back to finding like wealth and abundance living living yeah um, and yeah I guess that's the first um because it really was a choice whether I live or die um there was a moment in March of that year 1995 that I had to choose and I it was soon after one weekend I got my bankruptcy discharge the foreclosure notices of two homes and an IRS audit in the same time frame and I literally didn't think I could live through that and I was looking at the knives and I had, to, I had to realize in that moment, if I could create a bankruptcy in that with my mind, if I played with this thought of not being here, it will, keep, it will create a momentum of its own. Mm. And I had to vow to myself never to have that thought again and to live through this. Because I didn't want to leave my parents with it because that's, yeah. that's the only, only people who are going to get hurt by this. I'll be gone. <laughs> right. right. So, so it became a matter of like committing suicide and escaping yeah. what you had created. Or putting the big girl panties on and like walking, <laughs> and going, through, and walking yeah. through and tell, And I hadn't told my family how bad yeah. it was. And so it was, it became a quest mm-hmm. because I knew it was my mind that had mm-hmm. created it. So that's when people would ask, you know, what do you want for your birthday? Or what do you want for a gift? And I'm like, give me 
books, bookstore gift certificate. That's when bookstores were plethora. Um, <laughs> Everyone listening is going to be like, what's a bookstore? What's a bookstore? <laughs> uh, and so I literally would go in for like four hours at a time and go through the self-help section and like take everything down. And at some point I found the book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy and began doing this wealth mantra, which is in both of my books, Increasing Your, um, Increase Your Abundance and the Wealth Transformation Journal. And it's really the, the hallmark of both of those books. And I'm really just getting into the feeling. At the first, mm-hmm. I was just like, I just needed $50 extra at the end of the month. Because like, yeah. I, was, I was in the hole. And I found somebody's couch to live on, which was a, a crazy time. Uh, and then found somebody else's couch to live on. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was um, finding anything. I even considered going back into the military. And, um, but I wasn't sure they would take me Mm. with the bankruptcy. Mm. And so, um, I found a a doctor. I, I didn't really know who he was, but he was a psychiatrist and they needed help. And I was just trying to get diet, diet drugs at the time that you had to go through an MD for, and they needed help. So I got hired there and kind of worked for them for a few years until I mentally, I was constantly working on my mental um, uh, view of life and, and my mindset and vowed that if I could ever survive that, then I'd help other people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I started my coaching. Yeah. And then kept going from there is I realized that so many people have, have challenging mindsets that they pick up from childhood. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that bankruptcy thing came in from my parents. Mm-hmm. My, the only thing I remember them ever saying was, um, don't file bankruptcy, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, that planted the seed, <laughs> planted a nice little loop that said file bankruptcy, file yeah. bankruptcy, yeah. find out what is that, what is that, what one is that? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how we got there. Wow, um, I think uh, yeah, I think that's like so so fascinating. Um, the the parent things and the the things that <laughs> yeah that we sort of like learn or rebel against somewhere or just get yeah kind of get curious about if you're you're sort of framing it that way <laughs> well and it's, it's unconscious like, yeah, you yeah don't totally. know. it's a complete yeah sub, it's almost like i like to refer to it as a computer subroutine mm-hmm. it's just running somewhere in there mm-hmm. and it's seeking right mm-hmm. and so a lot of the clients that i have are you know they heard oh you know those rich people over there they're not as happy as we are so it sets up a oh, yeah. happiness or money mm-hmm. or love or money. Right. We have love. Those people over there with all the cars and the houses, they, they don't, don't have, have love. love. They're right. miserable. They're evil. They're, you know, you know, um, being rich is bad. Right. And so that then they try to go out. It usually happens when they're working for themselves. It's when it really comes up. Oh wait! Um, if I make money, I become a bad person, mm-hmm. and so that's what I help a lot of people with: is unpacking mm-hmm. those those messages, finding the message, and then unpacking it, and and cre- and reframing it, and giving them new messages. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That was awesome. Um, so so just kind of try- tying this back, I guess. Um, you know, Dad. So before Kameen came in, you were saying you 
you're working on not focusing as much on the money and not having that kind of one condition to success um, and kind of seeing your success as the effect that you're having. And when did that kind of seed for you as like a possibility? Like, cause I'm assuming you maybe know, didn't even two see that. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> Before you came this morning. <laughs> He's still working on it. Um, cause obviously I think these things take time. You know, one, even just seeing, like I had some, I saw something recently that I was like, oh, I've just been living with that belief there. I couldn't see it because it was not, I couldn't see anything around it. But once you can see it, you can start kind of getting space from it and questioning it. Just kind of I'm, like I mean, saying. It, it, it's not like I haven't been told over and over and over <laughs> and probably won't, will still need to be told over and over and over. But, you know, someone asked me to view things a bit differently and said, what would God say? You know, because for me, it feels like I'm never doing enough. Mm. So it always adds into I'm never doing enough as a businessman to make enough money. I'm doing great as a creator of work. I'm doing great for consulting. I do provide great service, but I'm never quite doing enough for the for the money aspect of it and for the growth of the business aspect of it. Because it's not like we don't have a, you know, when you have a, you know, we've consistently had an, you know, over a million dollar business for, I don't know, decades. Um, you can't call that not making enough money. So it, it's, it's not like there hasn't been, but again, just relative to, to my own goals or interests and what have you, or security. He said, you know, would God, if, 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 if you were to ask God, have you, done enough like how are you doing based on what you were given and what you were taught you know not given but given the abilities and capabilities mm -hmm. what would god say and it, it you know it was a pretty easy answer to say well I'm, I'm doing the best i can i mean i'm you know it's not like i'm not doing well mm -hmm. so so he said well that's all you can expect the rest of it anything can happen to anybody at any time i mean people are born into different situations where they never have a chance and other people are born in situations where they've had money their whole life it's like it's all going to be different and there's no measure yes some people are born poor and then become very rich and some people are born rich and become poor and it's like that the the real the only question is are you doing what you can with what you've been given mm -hmm. basically and and from that perspective i can actually feel pretty darn satisfied mm -hmm. and and then the question is, 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 am I the only producer of money? Well, no, it's, I believe, you know, my philosophy is no spirit provide, you know, God provides, you know, provides sustenance. And it's certainly not all of my plans and projects and proposals, not proposals, but marketing efforts that brought in clients. Most of the clients I have were brought in magically, <laughs> like, they called. I didn't know that they were going to call or we got an engagement that I didn't know we were going to get. So it's like, if I'm not in control of that, mm -hmm. then let's not take the responsibility as if I am, or at mm -hmm. least as if I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. I have to show up. I have to do my part, but it's a partnership. And, and it's based on for my lifetime, what's, you know, what's for the highest good anyway. And so for me, I think that 
once I heal all of that, there'll be much easier flow because I think the flow is there. It's my resistance that's causing interruption and disruption and lack of energy mm-hmm. or frustration or stress mm-hmm. or whatever it is that gets in the way. Yeah. So what is, um, I mean, what is like some of the things up that you learned, um, I guess, more specifically for yourself about creating abundance and like, like I, I understand the like sort of recognizing what are the blocks mm-hmm. and then being able to like get do new kind of programming or just even just being able to see it and see, oh, that's not true. Um, to kind of like release some of the resistance. Like is it has it just been for you like a releasing of resistance that you've had, or like what have you found that's contributed actually to like growing your abundance? Such a great question because um you know, it's that thing, you know, you teach what you have to learn. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly teaching myself, like mm-hmm. constantly learning. Uh, but I, I think some of the things that I have learned is that there is infinite abundance in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, having gone to the point of bra- bankruptcy, it's like I've lost all, everything. And st- I, lo- I can say I lost everything. And I still needed a warehouse for the stuff that I still had, yeah. like a, a storage unit. Yeah. And, and so I think one of the things that has helped me um, is understanding that I can create. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that. Even in my coaching, it wasn't, you know, didn't knock it out of the park, uh, you know, right away. Um, but I grew it steadily. And so I can get in my own head comparing myself to somebody else's success um, but I have to keep reminding, okay, like Mark was just saying, like, do me, mm-hmm. do what's mine to do. Um, and I think one of the things was really just finding what I love to do. I love helping people. So I was in technology that I was good at technology, but at some point I had to realize I don't like doing technology full time anymore whatever, that's not my, that's my zone at the time, the zone of excellence, now it's my zone of competence. Um, but my, my genius, my, the thing that I do better than anyone for, because it's me, is my kind of partnership with the universe, being able to hear things from um, like what, what clients are saying here underneath what they're saying, mm-hmm. help guide them, help see their potential. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times for me, (laughs) so a lot of times for me, it is that like pointing people towards their gifts and how do they stay with what is naturally coming forward Um, versus trying to make themselves do something else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come to me really, there are some people, especially now, that come to me and they're very sick um, with lots of, ma- lots of significant things. And they're telling me, not me just hearing it, but they're telling me that it's because they're not following their, their path. Mm-hmm. They are going for the money, not mm-hmm. for the not thinking that they can create a life and have abundance. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A question came to me, but escaped me. What was it? I can't remember. 
Oh, well. Um, so I guess turning the, the conversation to, to me then, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll remember what I was going to ask you. Um, I guess I'm curious to know, so I've had like a difficult time with work, which I think both of you know. <laughs> um, and it's like, I've had like an interesting experience, which is that I've had a really difficult time with work since I graduated college, but I've had the unique experience of receiving an inheritance that makes it so that I don't have to work now, like in the last two years or whatever, which further separates money from work, (laughs) which has been like a, a strange thing that I've been wondering about I guess this whole time of being like do I you know I think since I graduated college I've been like why do people work there's the practical element of money beyond that what are the reasons you know what are the what are the is it accolades and fame is it to to have a contribution is it you know, I think so, so something that I really, really something that I realized recently was that I had a moral, like I felt like it, like work was a moral necessity, like work, having a job is a moral necessity, right? Which takes it completely out of the realm of practicality. Um, <laughs> so, so that's been like a, a difficult thing for me to like manage is like being like, okay, well, I have this money and I don't really need to work. Of course, I could, you can always work for more money but it's not like and I'm not receiving like an outrageous amount of money but I'm receiving enough that I'm living comfortably and I'm able to save and you know I'm not living like extravagantly I guess in some some people might seem extravagant I definitely spend money on like acupuncture and things like that um but I have still felt like I should be work, you know, it's felt like this moral thing that I should be like ashamed that I'm not, that I don't have a job or whatever. And I know that I feel like for actually maybe the three of us, we've sort of gone through because you guys got married like right after I graduated (laughs) from college, which was when I really, really started to think about working. I had like, you know, applied to some kind of restaurant jobs and stuff while I was in college, but never got a job and sort of didn't need it. So I wasn't too concerned about it. I was very focused like in the moment. But then afterwards I was like, wait a second, what do I do now? Because I was always like such an academic person. Like I was so into school, not so into it, but I was good at it. And the literal only time that I ever remember you yelling at me (laughs) was when I was like 15. And um, I had said that I wanted to drop out of my like AP and like honors classes and stuff. And I just wanted to kind of coast in school and like have more social um, um, priority. (laughs) Yeah, home is a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Can you explain what you mean by that? It's only regret. I guess, and I guess I'm curious to know, like, how did you view, how did you view my success or what you expected of me growing up and in my, like, kind of early 20s, just out of college? 
Or did you have any? I mean, well, he, he, my my view of university, right? College is opportunity. So for me, the the based on my generation, right? And there was all sorts of studies to to show that at that at that time that when you have a university degree, there's really two parts to that degree. One is whatever your specialty is that gives you opportunity in the working world mm -hmm. to do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be in what you get trained in. It can be anything you want. You know, like we're interviewing somebody now for to replace Sasha uh, in the kind of the marketing administrative assistant role. Mm -hmm. And that person got a degree in computer science from UCLA, mm -hmm. one of the hardest schools in one of the most technical areas. And when she graduated, she goes, I don't really like computer science, mm -hmm. but I really love marketing. Mm -hmm. So then she, but, but she can make that switch because of that education to she a large She just degree. has a degree or like, what is it? I guess, what is it about because, the education well, that... The, the, the education. Yeah, there's two. There's two parts of the education that, to me, is actually more important than the degree, and always was more important than the degree. One is the discipline you get from doing university, mm -hmm. because a you're on your own. No one's telling you you have to do this or you have to do that. You've got certain requirements that a teacher gives, but you don't. There's no study period. There's no parent around to say you've got to put in the work, yeah. you got to do it yourself. And, and the, the, and the, and so to me, that's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is the life experience you can get from university where you have a diverse environment with a lot of critical thinking from different points of view. And you get to be in a, in a, in kind of a little world somewhat protected but also where people have idealisms and um you know debates and different have to struggle through whether it's drugs or sex or you know what classes to take or dealing with difficult teachers or whatever all that is it to me is about life experience mm -hmm. and yes you can get life experience out in the working world too but in a way if if the university is enculturated enough to, you know, where you get friends that you that will be your life friends and you get experiences that you draw upon from that point forward, it gives both the, the discipline and the opportunity to do pretty much anything you want. You get, come away with a confidence that you can then bring into, you know, pretty much any, anywhere you go. Now... University has shifted in focus and in purpose from my generation to your generation. Mm -hmm. And I would say that universities have, have, have not stayed up with societal trends. Mm -hmm. And that's really, to me, unfortunate. Like, I don't have the same trust. I don't have the same admiration for universities as I did when I went to school. Because I, I think that they, there was a time when, yes, there were colleges that geared you for certain occupations and then universities that was a little bit more higher level. But there was always a practicality to it in, in the sense of 
if you learn this body of work, you have these options where you can apply it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like as a, even when I got my bachelor's degree with a focus in statistics, I could go into sports statistics. I can go into business statistics. I could go into um, just school statistics, you know, like yeah. statistics as a teacher. Like I had all these options and I was exposed to all of those. I mean, I had a blast in, in mm -hmm. you know, meeting with these sports statistics right. people that were looking at data and, you know, it just, you know, you could do research that was for a nonprofit in statistics right. that studied the Navajo Indians. You know, that was one of my things. It's like it, it exposed me to a lot of world application. Right. I don't know that that school does that unless you're in certain disciplines yeah and then within those disciplines that's still true outside of those disciplines not so much yeah um and you know again in my day going to university had a direct relationship to salary compensation yeah someone who had an, uh, a degree was paid tens of thousands more than someone who did not, who only finished high school. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was a real direct equation. I am going to, because I wouldn't have gone to school otherwise. Like, it wasn't like, again, I was the academic type. It was, you know, I would have done enough to become a teacher, but I had no interest in getting a master's yeah. degree. Certainly I had no interest in getting a PhD. So for me, it was school, you know, university led to income. So that's what you had in mind the entire time I was in high school. Yes. Opportunity to do, to explore what you really love and to find a field that you cared enough about to say, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd like doing that the rest of my yeah. life or not even the rest of my life. I like to doing Just that for life. now. And then that could shift into something else that could shift. Because again, just comparing time frames for a moment, I started out as a teacher. I didn't know that the field that I'm in even existed. Right didn't have a clue right I trusted that you would have something that would interest you but then you would learn about other things that would you know kind of like podcasts and editing like you're doing this yeah. now I don't know that you knew that that even existed when you were in high school right choosing and it probably didn't university. exist to the same and it may theory. and it probably didn't really when yeah. you were leaving high school I don't think it did yeah but but all you know and that has happened more and more in these recent generations where Things are going so fast. That wasn't true when I entered the work world. Right. You know, it was a lot more consistent and, you know, things have changed drastically. Where... Yeah. So, yeah, so my experience in college was a lot. Of, I, I definitely think I got a lot of kind of the second thing that you said of like the life experience. I mean, interestingly, what you say about like the discipline and I feel like I was in some ways more disciplined in high school well, you know, you were. I, I was very self-disciplined when it came to school aside yeah. from wanting to drop out but if I was in I feel like if I was doing something I was really doing it um yeah there wasn't ever you know if I was in a class I was going to try my best at the class well that was another thing that was it's very different and I think it's yeah. really important to note when I went to high school it was always a concern were you going to make it in university? Mm. That was a that was a general anxiety for anyone leaving high school yeah. going to university. In your day, I thought high school was so rigorous. Yeah. 
You University is going to be a cakewalk. Like, yeah. like there to me, there was absolutely no comparison because I, while I wasn't living with you at the time, I was really aware of how much you were working and had many conversations with your mom about don't get on her about, you know, getting a job while she's in high school or even doing home chores. Yeah. I said, the stress level, like I would never have been able to handle what you did yeah. in high school. That's interesting. Not a chance. It's interesting to hear you say that because when I talked to my mom, we talked a lot about that. And she she says, she was like, I constantly think like, should I have made you get a job in high school? You know, and she, it's something that she's really thought about it. And it's something that I've thought about, but she kind of reminded me, you know, I mean, I knew like, okay, I was doing tons of homework, you know, it, oh. I didn't really have time after school to ever. It was grueling. Like do anything, it was, but... and there was a lot of stress, which when you came to me about dropping out of it, I just said, look, if you can just get through it and not yeah. get caught in the social thing so much, college has so much more life to it yeah. than high school. Which, like that's the only you're... thing I was trying to convey <laughs> yeah, is yeah. that high school life, as much as you think it's the world right now, yeah. when you get to university, it's going to open up to a whole nother yeah. level. And that's so true. I mean, I definitely worked a lot harder in high school oh than I God. did in college. I for sure It was brutal. Honestly, time, I, yeah. I thought it was brutal. <laughs> and but, I was going I mean, to you every other weekend. So me and my mom were just kind of like, reminiscing and being like could I have gotten a job just even the time and we were like no I could have had a job every other weekend like that would have been the only free time that I had you know but but in college I would have for sure had I mean I was looking back at a blog that I had written and I kind of posted my schedule and I was like Monday class like 12 to 4 <laughs> like you know or just like I had like two one and a quarter hour classes a day, like, you know, and obviously homework besides that. And at times the homework is more than other times, but, um, but for sure I worked way harder, way more time spent in high school. Although in college, I think, I think the good thing for me about, I did not learn anything practical. I don't think in, in my entire time in college, I did not leave feeling prepared in any way for the workforce. Well, you, you, that can be your feeling, but that's not true because you, you're you an amazing writer and writing is one of the more, um, um, uh, what would I say, the more, one of the most desired skills in the workplace today is writing. Like there aren't people who can write yeah. well, there aren't people who can edit, there aren't people who can create or whatever. There's... Again, if you were to really embrace, and I'm not saying yeah. you should, but if writing was something that you actually embraced for business, mm -hmm. you, you, could, you, you could basically go anywhere you want. There'd be, you could write for marketing, you can write for executives, you can be a speech writer, you could be a newsletter writer, there's communication, you can actually... Yeah. The, one of the biggest roles today in organization are directors of communication mm -hmm. that just simply say, how do we message this to our employees yeah. as an example? Or how do we create a newsletter that's going to be interesting and vibrant right. and whatever? Like there's so many different opportunities. So in terms of preparation, you have all that. I use you for yeah. writing. <laughs> right. And you're faster than anyone that we've I had to hire that's that's out there doing that for their business hmm. so but I didn't like and I know you're saying like you don't have to like go into the field that you studied but I guess for me like just my my mindset at the time 
was like, I didn't really have the only jobs I ever really thought of having because I I honestly never I always thought, okay, this is also part of it is I saw you and your business and your kind of like attachment to that as far as like who you are. And I think I always thought like I would own a business or like I would have some career that would be like my, you know, identity. But I didn't really think about what that would be. (laughs) That was never really a thought that I had other than, and this wouldn't necessarily be owning my own business, although I guess I could have, um, being a hairdresser, which I did not go to school for and was not encouraged to and didn't have the the passion enough to do that over doing the traditional I I always thought that was a great thing for you to do, by the way. Okay, well, thanks for telling me now. (laughs) But I always thought, I just saw it as like, I did high school and I was in all the hardest classes and I got good grades and I would go to university. Like, it didn't really... You didn't have a vision after I couldn't see, yeah, and I couldn't see that I would go to like a cosmetology school over university. And then by the time I was... Everything, I mean, and here, I guess here's like another part. So then going into college, I thought, okay, maybe I want to go into advertising. So I'll study communications. And then instantly realized I do not want to do that. (laughs) I have no interest in that field at all because it felt very like soulless to me. Um, I studied media classes. I thought they were incredibly boring. I thought they were, it was interesting to learn how manipulated we all are. (laughs) And I think it changed. I think being in college and the classes that I took changed the way that I thought, but I didn't really take any class. The classes that I took were, for all intents and purposes, like philosophy classes. Like they weren't filed under that category, but we were thinking about a lot of things. That's sort of like my MO, I guess, more similar to Chip. Like I like to think about things. I want to like understand the theory of things. I want to know like what are people thinking about and what are they doing and why are they doing it? And I mean, I guess that's actually like maybe (laughs) similar to you. I was interested in psychology and got into NYU on applied psychology major and didn't even take one psychology class. I switched to communications. But um, a lot of the communications that I took were about, like, different media and how they, like, affected us or, like, how sound was used in different spaces or, like, you know, things like that that didn't feel like they really had any, like, practical implication. I just really liked them. And then I studied linguistics. Like, I was almost going to switch to linguistics major. I got a minor in it, and I loved it. But, again, no practical. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to do with it? It was almost just like doing algebra. Like, I liked the thought, the puzzle of it, but it wasn't something that I thought like I would ever be able to use. So nothing that I studied in college felt like it was like applicable to like anything I would do for work. And I didn't have any idea of what I would do for work. The only jobs that I saw people getting were like restaurant jobs and like things that I could see. And, and also like, that's who I see, you know, you don't see people in offices working every day. You see the people who are in front of you. Right. And Um, I would say, I I think one of the big differences between generations was like ours was to get a job. Like I have, my undergrad was American studies. Mm -hmm. And it was only, I was originally, <laughs> I was originally pre-med, oh. failed out of that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> drinking too much, and had to switch majors. And I chose that one because it was easy. Mm-hmm. And all the football players were in there get, uh, graduating. So I'm like, <laughs> I can do this and drink. <laughs> I am in. <laughs> so, you, so the football players were doing it. I can do it. I too. can do this. Football players are dumb, everyone. <laughs> no offense to any football players. 
They were just having, they had a lot of practice. Yeah. Right? So. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were working very hard at other things. Yeah. But it wasn't so much like I knew what I was going to do with the American Studies major. Mm-hmm. It was just, there wasn't another question of um, graduating and not working. Mm-hmm. In in our day, it was you go to college and you you get a degree so that you don't ever have to go home. <laughs> so you never have to live with your parents uh, <laughs> ever again. Yeah. Like there is there isn't right. that that wasn't a message like right. uh, you know you could come home after or do do anything. So it was about how fast can we get solid on our own. Mm-hmm. So I had a like the first job right out of college between the military was an internship at Xerox that existed at the time. Um, that did copiers for the younger people. Um, and it was a big organization and then they offered me a job right away. So it was like, we were looking, we went to college in order to Mm -hmm. have a life after college. And I don't think that was, that was, that communicated, um, down the line in the next generations. (laughs) Well, that's really true. And there's a misconception about some of what you said, like, one of the best CEOs I ever met majored in philosophy. Yeah. Didn't have a business degree. Yeah. Brilliant CEO. Yeah. But his philosophy background is what made him a great CEO. Mm-hmm. That thinking, that breadth. Right. Um, and so to me, there's not always, it's not always it's a one to one, and rarely was a one to one correlation. You know, it's that's why I was saying university was preparing you, even though there wasn't a direct relationship, yeah. and it certainly didn't provide the guidance. I, I I agree with that. And that's part of why I think university is failing today. Yeah. Quite honestly, it's failing. Like there's even their uh enrollment into MBA programs is going way down. Why? Because it's not really preparing people effectively yeah, for what the world is today. And the debt that and kids the debt are coming out with. It's just and not. So it's a different model yeah. than, because I don't think that looking you know, like when we met, you and I met was your last year, right? So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, there wasn't anything shepherding you towards a career. Like my mm-hmm. mom asked me the question, what do you, you know, first semester senior year, you know, what, what are you planning on doing? (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're not coming. I mean, it was almost unspoken. Like you're not coming home. So what do you think you're going to do? And that's when I told her about the military and she connected me with someone that she knew. So was, I think generation to generation that, that message changed. So you weren't getting the message like, okay, what are, what, what Avenue? Right. I guess. Okay. I, and just to, just one la- one little thing, when I went to university, I paid nine thousand a year yeah. for a UC Irvine education. Mm-hmm. And I think mine year. was fifteen. If I don't had, say what mine was. <laughs> well, if I had student debt, it was in the yeah. Yeah. you know which I, I didn't have that. Much. I mean, there might, I might have had some loans, but it was yeah like. I think it, I had it was single digit by that time, and that was it. Coming that was out of it. college, whereas That's right. many co- people are coming out with two hundred yeah, plus yeah, yeah, thousand. It's, it's a different. It's a different game. Totally. 
with less preparedness. Yeah. So it's paralyzed. It's, into how do you even? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I felt and and kind of what you're saying of like you are prepared or you were you know college did prepare you for these jobs, but I guess the image that I get is like I couldn't find the door like. Right. Right. It was like as if there was a room and everyone's like in the room and they're like, come in here. Like, <laughs> right. no, like you can, you can thrive yeah. in here. And I was just like, but I can't find the door. So like, right. I, it's not helpful. <laughs> like I, well, I had no, and, and quite honestly, still don't really like, you know, yeah. have an idea. If I had been left to my own devices and been not supported by family and stuff like I, I probably would have gotten a restaurant some kind of mm-hmm. restaurant job or customer service job you know just something that was easy that I could but that was from being that familiar I could see, to yeah just people something who that I was around you totally see, see but, the, but this this is how it works if you were to, let's say you, if you didn't have the money you'd get the job that you can get yeah. And then you get tired of that job and you'd start to see what are my other skills that could get me a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. And then you go after that. And yeah. then you would discover when you're in one of those jobs, oh, I see someone else in, in, in another part of this organization that's doing this. Mm-hmm. I bet I can do that. And then you go yeah. learn that. And then all of a sudden you, you follow the path. You follow the, the path that as it comes to you, right. as opposed to. There's a lot of people in your generation that thinks, oh, I have to do, I have to have be to purposeful know and know what I'm supposed to be doing right away. And it's life just doesn't work that way for most people. Yeah. But I guess even no matter what you do or no matter what mindset you have, you still are following that path. I right. wanted to just yeah. st- <laughs> um, stop for a second because I remembered my question that I wanted to ask okay. and it's sort of relevant, which is what was your idea of? success like did you have an idea of what that (laughs) (laughs) like I guess I guess growing up through college you know so growing up it was drilled so I didn't have a choice as to whether I was going to go to college or not I remember asking my mother you know hey you know I think I'd like to take a year off and she looked at me like I had lost my mind (laughs) my younger brother said did you back out of the room because like she could have thrown the lamp at you um so uh, it wasn't an option. Yeah. So success at that time was formed by my parents, which was to be a doctor. Okay. I came up with the idea to be a doctor because I had to see a neurosurgeon and he charged $85 for 15 minutes and I was doing <laughs> the numbers. I'm thinking, okay, I can live on that, you know? So that was success would have been in that realm because doctors, lawyers, I grew up right outside of... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland. So doctors, lawyers, politicians, business people were the high highest level. So that was it was measured by money and, mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. The difference then as I grew up and failed was having to redefine success. Mm-hmm. Um, and success was, you know, being able to sustain myself. That was the first level of success. Mm-hmm. Then it became, um, I, I, when I got into corporate, success became getting the next promotion, getting more money. I had to, I had to answer the question for myself, how much is enough at one point? And I remember I was making about, I think about 69,000, 68,000. And I was like, you know, maybe that's just, enough. I shouldn't push myself any further. And then I'd figure that out and push myself beyond that. 
And that became really for me, it's how much sometimes because of my spiritual orientation, it's like about donating money to other organizations and being a philanthropist. So sometimes that moves me to the next level Mm -hmm. of success so that I can really help more people. So now, you know, success is much more in that realm of one being able um, to contribute to our family and then who do I get to donate to? How do I help organizations that I believe in? Um, I'm big on education organizations because I do believe education changes people's opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, I just think that, as Mark said, it hasn't been like in order to get a job, in order to get a career, like um, it's just shifted. But I do believe in education highly especially at the younger, you know, Mm -hmm. junior high through high school, um, in the sense of like giving people a vision of what they can do that education can afford them. It doesn't, they don't have to pay 50, a hundred thousand dollars a year, $75,000 a year. Now it's like, it's about the mindset. Throughout this conversation, I found it interesting to hear the difference between how education was perceived in the time of my parents versus how it's perceived now. I went to college because it was what I was supposed to do. I never really thought of the practical application for doing so. It was just the next step in the path that had been laid out for me. I suppose I hoped it would prepare me for a career, but I don't remember wondering how that would happen. And once I got to school, I don't really remember anyone talking about what they wanted to do for work, unless they were in a specialized major like journalism, music, or film. I couldn't see outside my present circumstances, and I guess I assumed my area of career expertise or whatever it was would just fall into my lap somehow. I mentioned in this conversation my spiritual awakening, which I won't talk about in depth here, but I think it's worth mentioning. I began to care a lot more about experience than accomplishment. It's in response to a passage from Eat, Pray, Love, which I won't read because it's very long, but it's basically about how Americans have a reputation for working a lot and then going home and vegging out, never truly relaxing and putting no value on pleasure or quiet moments of enjoyment. I write, Now, I've heard this claim that Americans have a reputation for working too hard before, and since I've never spent a considerable amount of time in another culture trying to either work hard or not work at all, I can't really say whether it's purely an American phenomenon or not. Regardless, Elizabeth Gilbert's point still stands. I feel lucky that I experience this guilt of unproductivity less than many other people I've talked to. But the more I talk about it, the more I realize how much of a minority I am. This is not to say that I spend all my days doing nothing, and it's not to say that I don't work hard. But to me, time spent sitting around with a book, eating a delicious chocolate chip cookie, dancing around the apartment in high heels to Cindy Lauper with my roommates, or simply staring at dust if that's what I want to do is time well spent. Time is what you make of it. I think that for the people around me and for myself at times, it is not necessarily the hard work that forces us to compromise pleasure, but the stress of work, the stress of worrying about the work, of having too much on our plates to even be able to do the work that makes us feel like we're working hard and being productive and therefore deserve a break. I always try to remind myself that it is possible to exist purely and completely in the moment. 
If I take a break to eat a quick meal, I try to remember that thinking and worrying about what I'm going to have to do after I eat will not make the meal go significantly more quickly. And by thinking and worrying about what will take place after the meal, instead of focusing on the pleasure of the meal and the time I'm taking for myself, I will have lost my break altogether. I was surprised when I read this blog post again, now eight years later. I sound so okay with not working. I sound so zen and relaxed about everything. And maybe I was because I was still in college, still doing what I was quote unquote supposed to be doing. But by the end of college, I felt like I was consuming far too much and producing far too little. And I set off on my quest to produce more. I didn't know what I wanted to produce, but in my mind, producing was the adult thing to do. And I knew I needed to do it. I remember one day during my senior year, I was sitting on the fire escape of my apartment with my friend Sasha, and I had the thought, I don't want to go to the University of Santa Monica to study spiritual psychology. I was going there in hopes of figuring out what I wanted to do, but I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go on a road trip. One of the most valuable things I had discovered while in college was how beautiful the country is. I had gone from Orange County, California to New York City, skipping the flyover states and thinking they had no value to anyone, really. I thought big cities were where everything good was. But during my time in college, I met people who were from these smaller states, Maine, for instance, and Virginia. I was lucky enough to visit these places, and they were beautiful. I couldn't believe I had grown up completely disregarding them, knowing nothing of their beauty. I wanted to see more of that beauty. I wanted to explore. But then I thought, I'll just go to LA. I'll just study spiritual psychology. It'll help me figure out what to produce. It was the responsible thing to do. More school, the safe thing. The thing I knew how to do in hopes of becoming a valuable member of society, a respectable adult. It makes me sad to think about this. Sad to think that I had found something to love, something to be excited about, and that I deemed it not good enough. I think I spent the next eight years trying to find something to love that would be good enough. Stay tuned for next week's episode, part three of this conversation with my dad about work. And if you like the podcast, please leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening.